I hope I don't disappoint you. I'm not going to talk on the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? So he gave me liberty. He told me, Christina, uh, do whatever you want. Now, what you need to know about me is that I'm a rule follower, right? I like to follow the rules. That's why he introduced that because I normally, and if now it's going to make sense to you. I kept checking back to him. Are you still in that? Is you still in that? Because I felt the Lord leading me another way. And I knew it was the Lord because it's about, we're going to talk about my least favorite character in the Bible. <laughs> so that's why I kept texting him. You know, I kept texting him. Are we still in it? You know, like, and I was doing this wrestle, and I, I don't know if you caught on to the wrestle that I was in. And I, was, I didn't want to talk about this particular character, right? We're going to talk about Gideon this morning, okay? And I dislike Gideon. <laughs> I, that's why I knew it was the Lord. I'm like, oh my gosh, I really, and it's funny, you're going to see really how it attaches to what you've already said this morning. And here's why I don't like Gideon, which I didn't even know. I had to really do, I had to get past my own obstacles to really be able to get into this this morning. So I was like, why don't I like Gideon? What, what is going on? And I realized it's because Gideon, right? Isn't that often when we don't like certain people or certain things about people? It's because it's what we don't like about ourselves, and I realize that I don't like Gideon because it's like a giant mirror to what I feel are my biggest flaws. I know. I, I had to sit on that for a couple days before really getting into the message. I'm like, wow. This is why this message is difficult for me. So let me tell you a little bit about myself because it's important. And that way you kind of understand why I don't love Gideon. I am, like he said, I'm a pastor and I am a widow. I lost my husband seven years, seven and a half years ago, in a motorcycle accident. Now, while we were married in my late 20s and early 30s, I went through a season where I was suffering with uh, panic attacks, to the point that I was labeled that I had a panic disorder. Uh, it was crippling, it was terrifying, it was a terrible season in my life. And so what I've battled with ever since then is fear. Right? I can be very fearful, and I hate that because my personality is I am. I'm a, I'm a tough cookie, right? So I have this, you know, I come off like I'm like, you know, all, like all this, you know. I'm like, I'm confident and fuerte, you know, when I'm head fuerte. Like, I'm just all this. And yet, really inside, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Every time I'm asked to speak, I'm terrified. <laughs> I, I'm terrified. I know I don't look it. I know people always tell me, oh, you didn't look like you were scared. This is why I love this microphone. If you give me a handheld, you'd see my hand going like this, <laughs> you know? I'm terrified. So this morning, we're going to look at Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. And because like I told you, I am terrified. Do you mind if I take a second to pray? Father, we just come this morning. And Father, I just ask that you'd empty me of my thoughts, of my plans. Father, you know the tremble inside me. And I pray that it would be your spirit. Father, that you would take over this place. Father, thank you for the confirmation with what Abdi just shared in the two minutes that he shared when you were talking about weakness. And it was confirmation that this is the word that you have for us this morning. And I pray that I would be your faithful servant, Lord God. I pray that you'd give us all ears to hear what you're saying and that you would move mightily in this place, and we thank you, God, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. All right, I'm gonna read. Now, in Judges chapter six, this is where we find ourselves. I'm gonna read verses one through 18, but where we find ourselves is that the Israelites are coming out of a time of peace. They're under Deborah, uh, there was 40 years of peace, okay? 
So those years of peace have ended, and now here's where we find ourselves. And this is starting to get, getting older. I can tell by how far my Bible has to get <laughs> these days. Okay, so bear with me. All right, uh, Judges 6, starting in verse 1, says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you the land I said to you. I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak in Op now that's not your sister Oprah, that's Ophrah, <laughs> that's Ophrah, that belonged to Joash, the Albizarite, where his son Gideon was there, was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty, war mighty warrior. But Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Do not, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of the Midian, into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. And I'm sorry it took time to do that, but I always feel it's important to read the word of the Lord. I believe it never comes back void, and I believe it speaks to you, even perhaps things that I wasn't even going to mention, okay? So, but from there on out, I'm probably going to paraphrase a little, but I, I gave you what it, what it really says, and now we're, we're going to go from there. So the first thing I want to point out is the Israelites, now this is not the longest that they have been like in captivity. It talks about seven years. It's not the longest, but it's definitely the most intense, okay? It talks about that these people are like a locust. We find out in chapter 8 that there's actually 135,000 of them. 135,000. It's so oppressive that they're hiding in caves and they're doing, and they're, you know, they're just finding any little nook and they're just hiding out because these people are like locusts, like a swarm. You know, they're just all around you. And so what I wanted to bring out here is, isn't it interesting? It's human nature. Don't we all do this? That we wait until things get to, to be this bad for them to turn to the Lord. It says that then they finally turn to the Lord. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Why do we do that? Why do we wait until things are so terrible before we cry out to the Lord? Before we say, God, help us. And so the Lord sends a prophet, and he explains to them, 
This is, hap- this is why this happened, because you walked away. I told you if you stayed this, if you did it this way, this would not happen. But the Lord was faithful. And then it says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So point number one this morning, for those of you that take notes, if you don't, if you don't that's fine. But point number one is when we connect, when we reconnect God always responds. Some of us this morning think that God is mad at us, you know? And if you're married, I was married for 19 years, and uh, my poor late husband, I would put him through the ringer whenever he, you know, we had a fight. You know, there was like a process. You can't just pretend nothing happened, you know? There's a process. You know, I have to give you the silent treatment. You've got to apologize. You know, maybe it involves a couch for a night. There's a process, and so in our humanity, we think that when we, have, when we come back to God, that there has to be this process, or that God is angry with us, or that God is whatever. And because of Jesus Christ, because of what he did on the cross, we have immediate access. God always responds to us. It doesn't mean that what we did was okay, but he always responds to us. He might come back and correct you and say, hey, you know, you shouldn't have done this. You know, this is where you went wrong. But he always responds. He is always faithful. His face is always towards us. God, when we reconnect with God, he always responds. God is not angry with us. This is the good news of the gospel. God is not angry with us. Have we messed up? Uh Uh-huh. Will we continue to mess up? Uh Uh-huh. But God is not angry with us. He is not angry. He's waiting for us to reconnect with him. He's waiting for us to reconnect. We go on to read. So what you need to know here is when it says the angel of the Lord in the Bible, that's the Lord himself. It's not an angel. It's the Lord himself. When it says the angel of the Lord, every time in Scripture, it's the Lord himself shows up. Don't you love that? That God doesn't just give us tools to get through what we need. He himself shows up. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, that's what he did when he sent Jesus on the cross. God himself shows up. When we come to him, he himself shows up. And so he sits there and he's coming to Gideon. And we've already read, Gideon is like Christina and he's a big chicken. He is is scared. So he comes to him and it says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I have kids. They're older now. But when they're little, right, when kids do whatever, they draw you a picture, they, you know, they're terrible at soccer. The kid's out there, you know, he totally misses the ball. And they come to you and you're like, you did so good. You rock. I think we're teetering online. I'm not sure. But then there's a whole self-esteem thing. So whatever. But we do that, right? As parents, we do that. The kids come and we're like, this is not what God is doing here. God is not saying, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's not appeasing Gideon. See, because the Lord is with you, he is a mighty warrior. So I'm going to pick on Abdi a little bit. I heard his message from last week, because I really was trying to talk about the Holy Spirit. And last week, Abdi, I believe, said that he could be selfish. Was the word selfish you used? He could be selfish in his own nature, right? So if God were to come to Abdi, he would say, the Lord is with you, O generous one. Right? He might be struggling 
with selfishness. He might be struggling with this. But because of who God is, because he is the only one who truly completes us, because the first part is true, the Lord is with you, then Gideon can be a mighty soldier. Then Christina can be a mighty soldier. Why? Not because of my own strength, because it's true. I am weak. I am scared. But because the Lord is with me, because the Lord is with you. So whatever you're lacking, whatever your issue is, because the Lord is with you, you are the opposite of that. Because the Lord is with you, you are the opposite of that. Then we get to the, the next verse, which my eyes can't even let me see what the heck that is. But, but it says, but Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, and he starts to complain. Right, so at this point, Gideon is not aware that he is talking to God. Right, he knows that he's talking to a representative. He doesn't get that he's talking to God. And what does Gideon do? He begins to complain. Well, yeah, where's God? And why did he get us? Don't we all do that? Like, there's so many crazy things happening, and our first thing is we want to blame God. Right? We don't want to take responsibility for what got us there and the actions that we made. And sometimes, granted, we are victims and we did nothing wrong. That is true. But there are other times, at least in my life, many times, that I get myself into this mess. And then I say, oh, but God, why are you, why are you do this to me? No, I did this to myself. I did this to myself. But see, the Lord, Gideon is not recognizing the Lord here. Gideon doesn't recognize the Lord. And what I think is that the bitterness in Gideon's heart didn't allow him to see the Lord. Sometimes we can let ourselves get so bitter that we don't see the hand of the Lord in our life. I'll give you an example. I don't know if you all have done this, but I'll get like a check in the mail, like something unexpected. I'll get some money. And I'll be like, yes, I got $300. And the next day your car breaks down and it was $299. (laughs) And what do we do? What do I do? And I complain. The bitterness in my heart, the anger in my heart doesn't let me see what really just happened is that I had a need and God provided before I even knew I had the need. Before I even knew I had the need, the Lord provided, but yet my heart, my, my sinfulness goes to, oh, that's $300, I could have had a massage. Lord, you know I need a massage. But we don't see the provision of the Lord. We don't see that God is coming to us and, what, and that he, he himself is ministering to us, yet we complain. The other point in this verse that I wanted to bring out is that here Gideon is saying, so the, the previous generation had seen all these miracles, and Gideon's generation had not, not yet. And so Gideon's saying, you had moved, you've, you know, we hear these stories, and yet you haven't done anything like that for us. And what Gideon fail to understand, and what we fail to understand is that you need to be in a difficult season to see the miracle. You have to be in a season that requires a miracle for you to see a miracle. But we don't want that season. We don't want that season. I love, I love to listen to um, Owen McManus, and he said it this way. He said it, his wife says that she loves the rain, but she never likes to walk in it, runs when it happens, And he questioned, does he really like the rain? And it's the same concept. If we really want to see the miracle, if we really want to experience God, then why do we freak out when we're in these situations? How else are we going to see the hand of the Lord unless we're in the season that requires to see the hand of the Lord? Listen, as a good mom, not that I am a good mom, but hey, (laughs) we'll just say it. (laughs) 
You, you know, nobody's here to rebuttal that right now. <laughs> but like a good mom, I, you know, we lost, you know, their father and my husband in an instant. It was tragic. I would hate, you know, honestly, if we didn't have to go through that, that would, that would be great. If I could have spared my kids, like every good parent would like. If I could spare my kids from what they had to go through, of course, right? Of course, the worst feeling in the world the worst feeling in the world so far at 48 years old is to see your children devastated, devastated, and not be able to do a thing about it. But then how are my children going to see the mercy and the goodness and the hand of the Lord unless they go through these seasons? As parents, so many times we're always trying to protect our kid. You know, we're taking the book because we don't want them to get the demerit. You know, we're checking their homework because we don't want them to get an F. You know, we're trying to shelter them from all the things of life. But if we continue to shelter our children and we don't let them experience the realities of life, then they will never get to see the goodness of the Lord. Do you believe that God, in the midst of your circumstance, that God is alive and able and willing to do all that you need him to do? I'm here to tell you yes. As one who experienced the valleys of, of life, I'm telling you that the goodness of the Lord is, is, is true. He is faithful. He will get your children through. He will get you through. He will be all that you need. And yes, their heart broke. But the faithfulness of the Lord, but the faithfulness of the Lord was so much greater than their grief. So much greater than their grief. The goodness of the Lord is true. But unfortunately, we're not going to experience the fullness of the goodness unless we're in those seasons that require to see a miracle that require to see a miracle. So Gideon complains, and I love just the Lord's, I titled this message, The God of Gideon, because so many times I saw this through the eyes of Gideon, and this time around I was able to really see just the goodness of God in, in these chapters. The whole story of Gideon is six through eight. We're not gonna do all of them, but I encourage you to read Judges 6 through 8 sometime this week. And it's just, the story's so amazing. But here Gideon is. Gideon, like, you know, it's pretty gutsy. He says, where, where? You know, he's complaining. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have. I don't know if there's any single moms in the house, but as a single mom, there's so many times I needed to hear. And probably as a woman as well, just as a woman, not even a single mom, but as women, and maybe there's some men that need to hear it, you are enough. You are enough. It says here, go in the strength that you have. Gideon had no strength. <laughs> Christina has no strength. But whatever you have, the Bible tells us the faith of a mustard seed. Just go. Go with what you have. Go with what you have. It's enough. Why? Again, because the Lord is with you. He completes it. He completes that deficit that we have. But you are enough. I felt that important this morning that someone out there needed to hear. You are enough. Go with what you have. And so Gideon is complaining. 
And the Lord doesn't, doesn't reprimand him for that. But Lord Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest, and I am the least in my family. Some of you here feel like you are never going to be able to conquer whatever it is you're battling. But God says, yes, you can. You say you are the weakest. This is, I felt this way. And I don't know if Abdi was there that day. He might have been at the church um, trying to help with all the people that were also grieving. But I remember feeling the day that my husband died like, I just can't do this. I can't, I just, I just cannot do this. I would have said, I said to my, ended up saying to my mother-in-law, you know, God took the wrong one. I am the least of these. He was the better parent. I felt like he was the better parent. My poor children have not seen a vegetable since the day he died. <laughs> like, I, like, the worst. Bedtimes went out the window. There was no more vegetables on the plate. Like, we had dinner every night together. Like, now it was just like, who's cooking? Like, you know, it was just, I felt like Gideon felt. Like, God, you took the wrong, the wrong one. And my mother-in-law, God bless her, my mother-in-law, his mom, put her arms around me and said, I'm so glad he didn't take you. I'm so glad he didn't take you. She lost her son. And yet she tells me, I'm so glad he didn't take you. You might feel like I felt and how I often still feel sometimes. But God has plans for you. You are not the least. You are not forgotten. Those big dreams that you have didn't come from some bad pizza. It's the Lord wanting to do things in your life. And he can and he will do those things in your life. You are not a failure. The Lord answered again, I will be with you. Again, this is your second point. I'll just go ahead and tell you what that second point is. Number two is when we are petrified, he is patient. When we are petrified, he is patient. And I use that word petrified on purpose because that's how I felt. I could not move. So scared to the point where you cannot move because you don't know what your next step is. Petrified, where you're just stopped in your tracks. When we are petrified, he is patient. Here, Gideon is terrified. And what does the Lord do? Gideon goes off, you know, because sometimes it comes off in, in anger, right? Hurt people, hurt people. So he comes off with this attitude and God doesn't scold him. He says, I will be with you. He just keeps encouraging him. He just keeps encouraging him. And then that last word, word, verse that I read, Gideon now, the Lord has not said, Gideon, now you've got to go do something to earn my, but Gideon immediately says, wait here, I'm going to go prepare a sacrifice. And he tells him to wait. And what does the Lord say? He says, I will wait until you return. I will wait until you return. The patience of the Lord. Do you, sometimes we think that God is shocked with our humanity. God is not shocked with our humanity. He knows that we're sinful people. This is why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. He's not shocked by our humanity. He's not shocked by our fear. He's not like, you know, frustrated with us. He's not, he understands our humanity. And what does he do with Gideon? He's so patient and gentle. He ignores that little, the slight, he keeps saying, Gideon, you've got this, but Gideon, I'm gonna be with you. Gideon, I'm gonna wait for you. 
We don't have time to, to read it, but I'll tell you how the story continues. Gideon comes back and he prepares a sacrifice and the Lord with a staff touches it and, it and it sets fire and then Gideon is aware that, oh my gosh, this is God. This is God himself. And again, God in his wisdom, he gives Gideon a small task. Not small, pretty big, but not as big as what he was getting ready to do. But he, you know, he, he starts us out with those little things. Like, come on, take a little step. You got this, come towards me. Come on, a little bit, you got this, come on. You, this way, this way. And he gives him a small task to tear down this, this idol that they had in front of their house. And Gideon, again, because he's scared, he does it in the middle of the night because he's scared, but he does it. And it turns out okay. And then Gideon calls for the army. And he's getting ready to attack the Midianites, which I told you were 135,000 people. And he's getting ready to attack. And then again, Gideon, he's so terrified. He says, God, I need a sign. I need a sign, God. Man, I used to be that person. I used to be that person. I used to go to all the conferences. I used to be a you know, little conference junkie. I'd go to all the conferences. I'd sit in the front row. I said, God, give me a sign. But you know what it says in the gospel when he's talking to Thomas, the disciple Thomas? And Thomas says, God, I gotta, touch, I gotta touch your hands and I gotta touch your sides for me to believe. And he says, blessed are those that will never see and will believe. And so my prayer these days, God, is Lord, no matter if I never see a sign again, give me the courage to trust you. Give me the courage to obey you. Give me the courage. I don't need a sign. We don't need a sign. Signs are great. There's nothing wrong. Look, he doesn't get angry when Gideon asks for a sign. Signs are great. It's okay. But we don't need a sign. It's like Pastor Abby said last week. If it's a good thing, it doesn't go against Scripture. You're not sure. Is this God or not? Do it. Do it. We don't, sometimes we go around in a circle. I need a sign. I need a sign. And the time has come and gone. Just take a step. Take a step. So, again, your patience of the Lord. When we are petrified, he is patient. So he gives him the task. He, he does this task, and now he says, God, I'm, I'm scared. God, if this is really you, he, took, he takes like a fleece, right, like, a, like the skin uh, of an animal. And he says, God, if this is really you, the skin's going to be wet, but the floor's going to be dry. And God does that. And that wasn't enough. The next day he comes back, God, okay, let's do it opposite now. <laughs> now the, the floor will be wet, but the skin will be dry. And God, again, because God is faithful to us. He sees that you're scared. It's okay. He sees your weakness. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Because the Lord is patient, and he responds to Gideon. So Gideon gathers up the army, and Gideon has, at this point, he has 32,000 men. Still pretty bad going up against 135. <laughs> Not good odds. And God... What does he say? You have too much. <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> what do you mean I have too much? I want to let those words sit in us. And Abby, is how much time do I got? I got to wrap it up, right? Yeah, I'll wrap it up. I'll wrap it up. Um, he says you have too much. Can we let that sink in for a little bit? We are living in a generation where we are after more. Right? If it's God, it's a bigger house. If it's God, it's a promotion. If it's God, it's more, it's more, it's more. If it's God, it's a church of 10,000. If it's God, we're like after more, more, more. And I'm here to tell you that is not the Lord. Not every time. Sometimes a promotion is. It's a blessing. It's more. Sometimes, you know, 18 kids and counting is a blessing. It's more, you know. But not 
Always. Not always. I uh, sold our home. Got to the point I could no longer afford living in our, in our home that we lived in for 14 years. And was it tough? Yes, I'm not trying to dismiss the feelings. But every time I tell people I sold the home, I get the, you know, the sideways pity. Oh, so sorry. Because I, I downsized, so then there must be a, a problem. It must be bad. No. I finally have money. I don't have to worry. I'm living within my budget. I have money to sow into the kingdom. I can go visit that grandbaby that's about to be born because I have money for airfare. I am living so much happier that I downsized than trying to get more and more and more and more and more. And working three jobs to support the more and not spending time with my children because more has to be of God. And what does God say here? You have too much. Huh? Come again. It's not always more. That's an American way. That is not a Bible way. It's not always more. God is in the whisper. God is in the, in the it turns out to be 300. So God dwindles them down to 300. And I'll let you know how the story ends. And basically how the story ends is that he gives them a plan. And he says, trumpets in one hand and a light that's covered in the other hand. And in the middle of the night, actually it was the middle of the night, it was 10 o'clock really what it was, but still for them, like, you know, the second shift. And in the middle of the night, they broke those, the pots that were covering the light, and it startled the 135,000 people, and it scared them, and they made, they surrounded them with the 300 around them, and they made this noise, and they blew their trumpets, and the people were so panicked and so disoriented that they killed each other, it became every man for themselves, and they killed themselves in an effort to flee, and God had victory over the battle. Wow. With 300. With 300 against 135,000 people. Why? Because the Lord was with Gideon and the army, and the Lord is with you. I'm becoming an empty nester. I have one kid left at the house, but that's okay. I'm still a family, and I'm still an army of one. Less doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be bad. You could be part of a small church. You could be part of a large church. You can be part of a, me, a medium church. That's okay. Whatever situation you find yourself in, it is enough because the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The last point that I have this morning is when we are willing, he is wondrous. All we have to do is make one step, and he makes a miracle. When we are willing, he is wondrous, wondrous. Do you know the Bible tells us that eye has not seen and ear has not heard the goodness that the Lord has in store for you? And so many of us want to take that to heaven. Someday, I will see all that. No, that is called for here and for now. No matter what circumstance you're going through, God wants to be wondrous in your life. No matter your situation, God wants to be wondrous, wondrous. He wants to be with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to give you a great adventure. He doesn't care about the number. It could be a family of one. It could be a family of 18. It could be a church of 40. It could be a church of 4,000. It does not matter. God has a plan for your life. He wants to come alongside of you, and he wants you to be mighty warrior for the kingdom of God. 
I'm going to leave you with this before I pray. And it says, you are not forgot, forgotten. This is what I felt the Lord had to say to the, to the Doral Vineyard. Is you are not forget, forgotten. The plan has not changed. The call has not been revoked. You have not been set aside. God is waiting for you. God has something for you as an individual and you as a church to do and God has not forgotten you. The plan has not changed. The call has not been revoked. You have not been set aside. God is waiting for you. Just like he sat in that rock. Listen, he, Gideon didn't go to McDonald's to go get the sacrifice. It wasn't like a 15-minute thing. He prepared his sacrifice and God patiently waited on the rock because he was waiting for Gideon. The king of kings, the lord of lords, who has a universe in the palm of his hands, sat on a rock and waited for Gideon. And he is sitting here and he is waiting for you. Not because he needs you, but because he wants you. Because he loves you, because he has good things in store for you. For your good and for his glory. For your good and for his glory. And he's just saying, take a step. You know, whatever it is, God, every situation is different. Whatever God is calling, I pray today that we would know the God of Gideon and that we would be courageous and take the step. Can I pray for you all? Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be with my extended family today. And I thank you for the people of the Doral Vineyard, Lord God. I thank you. It wasn't coincidence, Lord God, that you gave Abdi the word. Abdi had no idea what I was going to share. And the word was, your weakness is a gift. Father, and then you come with the word of Gideon and you're saying that I am in the midst of that weakness and you're calling us, Father. You're call- starting with me, with the biggest chicken in the room, Lord. You're calling us to take a step to see your wondrous beauty, Lord God. And I pray, Father, whatever the situation's in this room, whether it be relational, financial, spiritual, with their jobs, with their ministries, whatever the situation in this room, Lord, give us the courage to take the steps of faith so that we can see your miracle. In Jesus' name, amen.